Well, last week we took a break from this study that we've been in for the last several weeks to uh, deal with the subject of missions and to try to give some attention uh, to missions and what our attitude and our outlook uh, should be as it relates to the souls of men and women. And I don't know what your outlook has been the last seven days, but I hope you've been more sensitive to the reality that men and women all around us are dying and going to hell. I don't know if it's changed the way we've prayed. I don't know if it's changed the way that we have dealt with people. I don't know if it's changed our burden whatsoever, but I hope that it has. And only you and your uh, witness before the Lord know whether or not that is so. And uh, so it's been two weeks now since we've been in our study of Psalm 119. And rather than try to make you uh, remember what we dealt with two weeks ago, we're just going to jump into the passage this morning. And I hope that it'll be a help to us. I hope it's something that will serve as a real challenge to us because it's a, a needed, needed truth. I want to start this morning by asking you to think about an industry that you probably don't often think of. I want you to think about the music industry. The music industry. I don't know if you've ever done any reading on this. I don't know if you've ever done any research on this, but I took some time this week to try to do a little bit of reading and research on the music industry. And here's what I found, that in 2015, the music industry brought in just under $15 billion. That is a lot of songs being recorded and a lot of albums and uh, CDs, of course, being sold and, and nowadays digitally downloaded. That is a lot of music being produced and a lot of music being sold. Interestingly enough, as large as that number is, that number does not begin to take into consideration things like concerts and all that is associated with concerts and ticket sales and on and on, bus tours uh, that the, the artists go on and things of that nature. So when you begin to think about the music industry, you begin to realize this is a big, big industry. It deals with numbers that you and I don't begin to relate to or really begin to understand. I don't deal in the numbers of billions. That's not the world that I'm used to, and that's not the world that most of you are used to. And, and so that's a big, big number which represents a big industry. I did a little bit more research and found this to be interesting. I may have shared something like this with you in the past, but, but I thought this was interesting. I googled some of the top earners in the industry. And you see names like Taylor Swift and Katy Perry, people that I don't listen to, and I really don't know any of their songs. I've heard their names, but I don't know anything about their music. But then because of things I've heard in the past, I googled this, the top earning dead performers. The top earning dead performers. And so according to Forbes magazine, they had a few names listed in the top five of top performers in the music industry even today, though they are deceased. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the name Bob Marley, but he was a musician who passed away in 1981. Think about that. 35 years ago, Bob Marley, a musician, passed away. And according to Forbes, last year his estate, because of his music, made $21 million. A dead man made $21 million last year because of music. Elvis Presley, no surprise, he died in 1997, which would be now 39 years ago. According to Forbes, last year he made $55 million. 
The Elvis Presley empire, because of music, made $55 million last year. And last year, the top earner of dead performers was a man that most of us are at least somewhat familiar with, a man by the name of Michael Jackson, who passed away in 2009, and his estate last year, because of music, made $115 million. So you have a man who's been dead seven years, another man who's been dead 35, another who's been dead 39, and collectively last year they made $191 million off of music. I don't know about you, but that is amazing to me. That is astounding to me how big in our culture music is. You and I, or at least I will say of myself, I still can't understand numbers like that. I still can't grasp what it would mean to make $21 million, to come in at the low end of this, to make $21 million doing anything, but having been dead over 30 years still pulling in that kind of money, that's amazing. So I tried to think about it in different terms. I know I've touched on this before, but I want us to think about this. Just consider how prevalent music is in our lives. It's everywhere. You and I really do have a hard time going any place without being exposed to music of some sort of some type. We go to restaurants and it's playing in the background. We go to a movie and it's a part of the movie because it helps predict or, or help set up where the movie is going. And, and it's weird how it can totally affect the, the whole setting of the movie. You go to a sporting event and, and what do you have? You have, mu you have music. You, 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 know, you want to have a nice evening with your spouse. And so you go to a, a nice restaurant and, and what will there be? There will be more music playing in the background. And, and you think about music and how it is a part of almost every part of our lives here is what we cannot deny. Here is what we cannot act as though it is not true. It can set a tone. It can create a mood. It can alter emotions. It can literally transform who we are. You know that to be true if you're honest. Music is powerful. And to try to act like music is not powerful is simply denying the facts. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I'm sure some of you have, but it's amazing, is it not, how you can hear a song from years ago and it just clicks and you can remember it. You can be driving down the road and, and so many times, you know, you, you may hear a song come on the radio and it's like it just triggers in your mind this memory or, or, or it reminds you of this moment at some point in your life. It, it's amazing what music can do. Sometimes you hear a song for the first time and you think, man, that was beautifully written. It so captured everything in that song that I've thought or, or that I have felt at different times. It, it is amazing what music can do in the life of a person. And, and I don't know if this would be true of everyone, but I know it's true in our family that so many times we've got a, a, a tune going through our head when we don't even realize it. 
You you just got a you know a song of some sort. I mean, it may be a silly song, it may be a hymn, it may be a, a a song that we've heard off of a CD, whatever it may be. But it's almost as though there is always a song just playing in our minds. We're humming, we're whistling, we're thinking, we're you know going over the words. Not every moment of every day, but it seems to always be with us. Now, why tell you all those things? Is it because we're about to have a message on music? The answer to that would be no. We're not about to have a message on music. But I want us to understand something. Music is obviously powerful because it would not be a $15 billion industry if it was not powerful, if it was not big, if it was not important. Music would not be a part of our everyday lives in almost every setting, in almost every environment, if music was not powerful. And you and I would not be constantly entertaining songs in our minds, sometimes to the point where we wish we could just get the song out of our mind. That would not happen to us if music was not a powerful driving force in our culture. So why do I tell you that? Well, notice in the last part of verse number 54. In the last part of verse number 54, here's what the writer says. He says, in the house of my pilgrimage. In the house of my pilgrimage. I don't know how many times you've read through Psalm 119 and not really given consideration to all the words that you've read. I know for myself I've read through Psalm 119 on many different occasions. And until this week, this verse has never captured my attention. But in verse number 54, he speaks of the house of his pilgrimage. What does it mean when he speaks of his pilgrimage? It's a beautiful way of saying this, the temporary dwelling place. The temporary dwelling place. I want us to focus on this truth for just a moment because of where the message is headed. The writer looks at his life and here is what he recognizes and here is what he acknowledges that this life that he has, it is nothing more, please listen, it is nothing more than a temporary dwelling place. The writer of this verse knew this life is not forever. This life is not going to last. At some point, I'm going to breathe my last breath. At some point, I will have my final moment and my final second on this earth, in this life. He understood that as he went through this life, every bit of it was a temporary setting Every bit of this was a temporary situation. And so he speaks of the house of his pilgrimage. So what does it mean when he speaks of his house? It seems as though he is speaking of the life that he has been given in this temporary setting. Okay, so here is this writer, and he is writing about his life in this temporary setting. He is writing about this, this few moments, so to speak, that he will have on this earth. And I thought to myself, I wonder what this man's pilgrimage looked like. As this man lived his daily life, as this man went throughout his daily life and whatever decisions he made and directions he took, what did his life look like? Well, I would suspect that in many regards his, his life looked just like our lives. 
I would suspect that if you could go back in time and catch up with the writer of this verse and begin looking at his life and begin looking at what happened in his life, I think we would say something like this. His life looked a lot like my life. And my life looks a lot like his life. So that means this, that for him, he no doubt had many good days. Because whether we like to admit it or not, God blesses us with many good days. We've all been blessed with good days. We've all been blessed with good moments. We've all been blessed with with things that we did not deserve. And so no doubt this man who lived a life which would have been very similar to ours, he would have looked over the course of his life and he would have said, you know, in the midst of this life that I've been given, though temporary it is, he would be able to say this, I have enjoyed many, many good days. At the same time, he would no doubt say something like this, There have been hard days, and there have been difficult days. How do we know that to be true? We know that to be true because no one escapes them. No one escapes hard days. No one escapes difficult days. No one escapes trying days. Nobody escapes those days that we wish we could just wipe out from our memories and and not have to deal with those. And so as I look at this writer and I consider this pilgrimage that he admits he was on, this temporary dwelling that he had on this earth, here is what I know for sure. Just as he had some good days, he had some tough days. He had some hard days. At the same time, he enjoyed some victories. At the same time, he enjoyed or had to deal with some defeats. There were battles won and battles lost, and and we know that to be true in our personal lives. Some days we're the victor and some days we're the defeated. Sometimes we're the one on top and sometimes we're the one on bottom. I mean, there are just days in life where it's good and days in life where it's bad, and, and then you've got just a lot of normal, regular, everyday types of days. As that is said, I want us to look in the first part of verse number 54. He says, thy statutes. Thy statutes. What does he mean whenever he writes of statutes? He's talking about the decrees and the ordinances of God. He's talking about God's word here. He is talking about the Word of God as He has done in every other verse up to this point and will after this verse. So He speaks of the statutes or the ordinances or the decrees of God's Word. And notice what He says in verse number 54. He said, Thy statutes have been my songs. Thy statutes have been my songs when... In the house of my pilgrimage. As I have gone through this life, though temporary it is, as I have made my way through life, here is what I would compare the Word of God to in my life or describe the Word of God to in my life. I would compare His statutes to be my songs. To be my songs. What does that mean? It means this. That in the midst of the good days, God's word has been my song. In the midst of the difficult days, God's word has been my song. In the midst of the victories, God's word has been my song. In the midst of defeats, God's word has been my song. In the midst of wonderful, wonderful accomplishments, God's word has been my song. And in those times that I have failed and in those times I have, I have suffered miserably, God's word has been my song. 
He has said this, that as he has gone through life, God's word is that tune throughout his life. Okay. Who cares? Well, consider what all that means. Remember what we said a moment ago about how powerful music is, about how, how powerful songs are. Think about this for just a moment. We said that the, the music of this world has an ability so many times to, to say so clearly and so beautifully what we would like to say but didn't even know how to phrase it ourselves. Think about it for just a moment. Here is the writer of the psalm. We don't know what day he's dealing with. We don't know if he's in the midst of a victory or if he's in the midst of defeat. We don't know if it's a good day or a bad day. We don't know if it's just a common everyday type of day. We don't know. But, but it's like the author says this, the writer says this of the Word of God, that as he considers the Word of God, it's as though he reads something and that's exactly what he needed in that moment, though he would not have necessarily expressed it that way if left to himself. Because that's the power of music and that's the power of a song. We said a moment ago that music has the ability to create a mood or alter emotions or set a tone. He said that the statutes of God's Word had been His song. What does that mean? It means this, that God's Word to a degree, has altered his emotions and changed his outlook and, and set a tone in his life. Brother Kyle, I have no idea how that relates to anything. I think if you read through the Scripture, here's what you might find. Here's what you might discover. Is that maybe in the midst of a good time, in the midst of a good day, in the midst of a victory, in the midst of a, uh, of a fantastic accomplishment, you read these writers and they begin to pin these thoughts of the, the, the wondrous majesty of God and His goodness and His grace and, and His mercy. And, and you think about it. Here's the writer. And it's as though... God's been good, and, and I go to the Word of God, and, and right there, the Word of God says everything that I needed to say. But there are those days in the midst of, of difficulties and in the midst of challenges. The writer could say that he had gone to the Word of God, and though his outlook had been dim, though his outlook and his attitude had been somewhat gloomy, as a result of the Word of God, it changed his mood, it changed his, his attitude, it affected his outlook. It began to give him a courage or a boldness that he had lost or he had not had. But as he began to consult the Word of God, it began to change him in ways that nothing else could change him. The Word of God, he says, the statutes have been my song as I have gone through this life, as I have you know, lived every day, as I have experienced what I have experienced. God's Word has been my song. God's Word has been my music. It has been there with me in the good times. It's been there with me in the bad times. It has helped me reshape my focus and to redirect my thoughts. It's been there to encourage me. It's been there to uplift me. There would have been times that what was committed to his memory would have been there to help him in that time of need. He is saying this, the Word of God has helped get me through this life. It's like my song. What's he saying? He's saying this. The Word of God is pretty powerful. 
it's not a music industry then like it is now, and, and, and it's not even really what he's talking about, obviously. But what he is saying is this. Music back then, obviously, was pretty important, and, and music certainly had a role in the days of Scripture. And so as he is looking at the Word of God, he obviously understands the importance and the significance of music in their day, and he says, the statutes that has been my song. It's played that important, vital role in my life, and no matter the occasion of this life, there is a portion of Scripture that is appropriate and befitting, and it helps, and it encourages, it strengthens, it, it gives me exactly what I need from day to day. So we hear that, and you say, okay, I, I got you, I understand that, that's, that's fine, that's good. I want us to think about this question. We've already established that our life would be no different than this man's life. We're going to have good days, we're going to have bad days. We're going to be, you know, dealing with hard times and good times, on and on it goes. I want us to consider this question, though. As you and I go through this temporary life that we're living, wherever God takes us, wherever God leads us, sometimes wherever we place ourselves, what is our song? What is our song? What is our music? Could you and I this morning say this like the writer did, that thy statutes, your decrees, your ordinances, as I have gone through this life, could you and I say today, God, your word has been my song. And before we answer that, we've got to be honest about it. We really do have to be honest about this before we just say, Oh yeah, God's statutes, you bet, that's been my song. Hold on. Hold on. How many times can it be said of us that in the midst of our lives, just the everyday, common, normal, day-to-day -day stuff, how many times can it be said of us that because of our love for the Word of God, it's not that anything maybe spectacular or new or exciting jumps out at us, but we read the Word of God and it's as though we're able to say something like this, that was good. That was good. See, in the midst of everyday life, in the midst of just the normal day-to-day -day routine, if we don't begin to consult the Word of God, if we don't begin to have a love and an affection for the Word of God, it will not be our song in the other times of life. Whether we want to admit that or not. I wonder how many of us this morning could say this. His statutes have been my song. 
There have been times that life has been good. There have been times that life has just been a series of successes and a series of of encouragements and a series of blessings. I wonder how many of us could say something like this. You know, in the midst of those times, I could not help but remember what the writer of Scripture said here. You know, as I was going through the day, just recalling the goodness of God in my life, I I could not help but just recall what what is said in the Scripture, that God is good and that it rains on the just and the unjust. And and I'm a part of the one who is being blessed by God's goodness. And and, and it it, it thrills me to know of God's goodness that I find in the Scripture. I wonder how many times that's our song. I wonder how many times we can say this. That in the midst of discouragement, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of trials, in the midst of difficult days, it was God's word that, like a song, began to change our outlook. Began to alter our emotions and our feelings and began to, to set a different tone, so to speak, in our lives. I wonder how many times we could say this. You know, I was having a difficult day. I was struggling. There were just some things going on. And and to be honest with you, my flesh wasn't really desirous to sit down with the Word of God. But as I began to read the Word of God, it's as though the Lord began to speak to me and the Lord began to show me His faithfulness. And God began to show me His goodness. And God began to show me that He's going to take care of me. I wonder how many of us can honestly say this, that in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of the trials, God's Word began to minister to us us in ways that nothing else could. And we began to to have a sense of joy and confidence and gladness that we had not enjoyed before consulting the Word of God. I wonder how many times in the midst of fears and in the midst of uncertainties we could honestly say You know what? God's Word was my song during that time. I found myself going back to the Word of God, and I found myself reading this particular passage. I found myself going back to one of those favorites. I, I, you know, one of those ones that I, I learned 20 years ago. I mean, it was as though the Lord made it fresh and new to me again. And as I was dealing with my fears, as I was dealing with my uncertainties, it's as though the Lord just made it clear. Look at this passage. I will take care of you. You have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to be fearful of. I wonder how many times the Word of God is our song. I wonder how many times the Word of God has just given us the boldness and the courage we needed. You were letting fear of man begin to dictate to you what you would do. You were letting fear of man keep you from being what you were supposed to be. You were giving in to peer pressure, but yet as you consulted the Word of God, it's as though the Word of God said, Come on. Be a man. Come on. Be a woman. And you began to read the stories of what the people in the Scripture were dealing with. And as a result of that, you said, you know what? I need to take a stand. And you know what? I need to be the one that fights that battle. And and I need to be the one who, who does what the Scripture says. I wonder how many of us could honestly say this as we have gone through this pilgrimage. God's Word has been my song.
How often do we find ourselves reflecting on the Word of God? Meditating on the Word of God, even when we're not even really mindful of the fact. It's as though you're driving down the road and you're just meditating and you're just thinking, well, you know, the Word of God says this and the Word of God says that. And you're not trying to be profound. You're not trying to be theological or to be, you know, godly or anything of that nature. You're just driving down the road and the Word of God, it's, it's like it's just running through your mind in one form or another and you can't help but think about the Word of God. Do we understand how powerful the Word of God is? It can set a mood. It can change a tone. It can alter the feelings. It can alter the emotions. It can calm. It can soothe. It can, it can do so many things. It can give courage. It, it, can, it can make us bold. There are so many things God's Word can do. But in order for it to be our song, as I said a moment ago, we, in, in sorts, as I said a moment ago, we've got to have a love for the Word of God. And if we don't have a love for the Word of God in our daily lives, in our normal routine, in just the day-to-day -day affairs, I can promise you if God is not a part, if God's Word is not a part of our lives in those settings, God's Word will not be our song in the other settings of life. And whether we want to admit this or not, whether or not we want to think about this this morning is kind of irrelevant, but we've got to remember this, something as we go through this life will be our song. We are going to look for encouragement from something in the midst of discouragement. We are going to look for peace in the midst of, uh, of uncertainty. For you, We're going to look somewhere for it. In the midst of fear, we're going to look to something to, to calm our fears. As we go through this life, we will look to something to be what we need, regardless of the moment that we're having. So can you and I say that it's God's Word that is our song? I'm not trying to be rude this morning. I'm not trying to be ugly. But we are living in a day where fewer and fewer people let the power of God's Word do in their lives what the power of God is capable of doing in their lives. It doesn't change them. It doesn't alter them. It doesn't give them strength. It doesn't give them boldness. It doesn't lift them up. It doesn't express exactly, enjoy what they are trying to express to God. It doesn't do anything. And we are living in a world, even in our churches, where so many people are looking to so many other things to be that song. And only the Word of God can be exactly what we need in every moment, in every instance, in every situation of life. Only God's Word, only His statutes can be that song. But we have to love it. We have to. I ask you this morning, obviously not a, a deep, profound question, but I ask you this morning, what is your song? What is your song? What is it that's getting you through the days? What is it that's getting you through the tough times? What is it that, that's giving you the joy? What is it that is changing your life? What is it? 
because something is. It ought to be the Word of God. It ought to be the Word of God. You've got to be in the Word of God. You, you need to be committing portions of it to memory. You, you've got to be earmarking things, saying, I want to hold on to this because I want to come back to this one over and over again. Do you love God's Word? Do I love God's Word in such a way that I could honestly say that as I pass through this life, God's Word is my song? It really is that powerful. It really does have all those abilities. It really is that big. But will we use it in our lives the way it's able and meant to be used in our lives? Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. God, I don't know the really the true testimony of any person in here today. I know that we can all sit here this morning and nod our